Australian rescue teams are departing Sydney this morning to join the search operation in Turkey and Syria. As the death toll from this week's earthquake is nearing 20,000, hope is fading for those still trapped under the rubble. After initial delay due to closed crossing points, destroyed roads and political disputes, aid is now flowing into Syria. Murtaz Adham is Oxfam's country director in Syria and he joined me from Damascus a short time ago. Thank you for having me. How difficult has it been getting aid into a country that's still actually dealing with the impacts of a civil war? In Syria, in terms of uh, getting humanitarian aid into the country, has always been um, difficult. It is as difficult today as it has been even before the earthquake hit. And this is for um, many reasons. Of course, um, one of them is um, related to um, the ability of the international or humanitarian organization to be able to uh, transfer funds into the country. Uh, there is what we call the chilling impacts of sanctions that complicates the issue in terms of the international banking. That's one. The second one is the availability of funding. Uh, the Syria humanitarian response has always been underfunded. Last year, it was only 48% funded, which means that millions of Syrians did not get the very desperate aid that they need because of, uh, because of that. Then once you are successful in bringing the money into the country and you are um, uh, successful to secure some, some funding, then you have the issue of access into the communities, which has always been uh, challenging in, um, in Syria. And then you deal with other uh, challenges, such as security conditions in country, the um, uh, fuel shortages in country that sometimes limits uh, the mobility of, uh, of international humanitarian actors and others. So all these uh, multiple layers of um, uh, challenges uh, greatly uh, complicate the work of humanitarian actors. And this has become more so after the earthquake. So what have you seen in Syria? Can you take us through the level of destruction? We've heard a lot about Dudgia, but I feel like the, the, the destruction in Syria is not being reported on in the same way. Yes, you're right. I think it has been overshadowed completely. Um, um, Syria was not doing well the day before the earthquake. Uh, the country and the population uh, were living really dire uh, conditions. 90% of the Syrian people were living under the poverty line before the earthquake hit. Nine out of 10 Syrians did not know where their next meal uh, was coming from. So how did the earth earthquake compounded the impact of that. I think now we have a kind of disaster on our hand. In, in Aleppo, for example, uh, we have uh, over uh, uh, 76 buildings that have uh, totally collapsed. We are talking about almost 1,500 people that uh, lost their lives because of that. And this was the, the statistics of yesterday. Um, over uh, 2,000 uh, injured. We are still uh, talking about uh, tens of uh, people that are still, if not hundreds of people that are, that are still under the rubble of the um, buildings. People are wandering in the street, even those that uh, their buildings or their home was not damaged as a result of the earthquake. They are scared to go back uh, to them because they are afraid that they will come down. People are very hungry. Some people haven't eaten for a few days. Uh, they're cold. I mean, this is coming at the time where the country is really going through a harsh win uh, winter season that we have not had for uh, several years. Someone from Aleppo, and uh, she told me, you know, 
uh, during the war, uh, we used to seek refuge in our houses. This was our safe zone. Now these houses became danger to us. Are you hopeful people can still be pulled from the rubble? Is that emergency part of, of the rescue effort still going on? We are racing against time and weather and capacity uh, to be able to be successful. I think in government-controlled area, the capacity of the government is limited on that. There is a major shortage of heavy equipments, for example, uh, excavations equipments, even the trained staff. I mean, Syria had not have uh, uh, an earthquake of that magnitude for over 100 years. Um, so the, the experience to deal with this is not there. And at the same time, uh, the uh, the country is not receiving at least the uh, part that is under the control of the government. It's not uh, receiving much of the international uh, support that you would uh, that that you would think. So the likelihood of being successful in pulling people from under the rubble of the building, unfortunately, is not very big. Hundreds of thousands of people are in emergency accommodation. Can you give me a sense of what the the people who have so far survived the conditions that they're living in? The authorities here and also the um, the civil society and the national NGOs and the charities, uh, they have opened uh, uh, shelters, uh, uh, mosques, uh, uh, opened their doors for uh, uh, impacted people, churches, uh, uh, schools, all of that. So there are um, shelters available to accommodate people. However, these shelters are not very well equipped. And um, there are a lot of efforts to provide, but not enough uh, to, to, uh, to, uh, to cater. I mean, the numbers that we, that we, we read and we've seen actually on the ground, we're, we're talking about 300,000 300, people that have been um, uh, displaced in these four governorates. This is a huge number to deal with, considering that the capacity is very, very low. Uh, we know that we're hearing from uh, local charities that during the three days, uh, they are completely, their financial resources have been completely uh, depleted. The private sector is trying to play some some part and they are uh, um, uh, joining efforts, uh, but still um, not enough to even uh, scratch the surface uh, um, of the need. I mean, what you need to remember is that everything in Syria is depleted. The private, the private sector is very depleted also. Um, the local charities are very depleted. They've been responding to the crisis for the past 12 years. So the whole country is very exhausted, very depleted, and this is kind of compromising its ability to deal with this. So what do you need then? What do you need from the international community? What needs to change to try to intervene in this situation and, and help people in these dire circumstances? I think we need a, um, a major um, uh, influx of uh, funding. This is uh, extremely important. Um, and this funding is not about just addressing and saving people's life today. That's very important. But also we need the kind of funding that would enable us to deal with the impact that we will be dealing with few months uh, or few years down the line. In a in a earthquake um, uh, context in other country, you save people life, but then a few months later, you start thinking about rebuilding. 
Here in Syria, the concept or the aspect of rebuilding is non-existent. Um, so really, this is what we need from the international community. Also, we need to look at the um, regulations that are in place, uh, the sanctions that are in place that may be directly or indirectly hindering the delivery of the humanitarian aid into, um, uh, into the country. So all these things need to come together. Just on a personal level, and I know that uh, when you're working in the area you do, um, there's not often very personal reflections, but but how are you feeling um, working in what is such a such an awful situation? I think, you know, uh, for me on, on a personal level, also, you know, I see that in my team. Uh, um, we are scared. Uh, we are um, uh, tired. And this is not just because of the earthquake, uh, because this is, has been going on in Syria for the past 12 years. Um, there are a lot of uncertainties. However, having said that, we need to be strong uh, because we have a responsibility. We need to be strong. We need to find a way and how we deal with our fears and how we deal with our concerns and uncertainty. So it's very difficult, actually, when I look at my team in Aleppo that have been directly impacted. They have been displaced. Uh, some of them have lost uh, loved ones. Some of them are still waiting to hear from a loved one that is under um, uh, the, uh, the uh, rebel somewhere. But still, they are on the street between people trying to deliver uh, humanitarian assistance. So this is what we are dealing with. Mutaz, good luck. Um, you do very important work. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. That's Oxfam's country director in Syria, Mutaz Adham, speaking to RN Breakfast from Damascus. You're listening to ABC RN Breakfast. ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.